and welcome to episode 22 of Not Just Yoga. I've been away for a bit trying to build up my yoga business. It's tough but I'm getting there slowly or at least I'd like to think I'm getting there slowly. I know during the last episode I said I've got ideas for a few more podcasts but I've actually been able to use some of these and share them in a slightly different way on social media, in class and on my YouTube channel. I'm just too impatient it seems. So here's an early plug. If you want to find out more about what's been going on, take a look at Say Yes to Yoga on YouTube or Curly Girl Yogini on Instagram or Say Yes to Yoga on Facebook. There's also my website which has taken up far more of my time than planned. You can type in Say Yes to Yoga in your search engine or it's www.sayestoyoga.co.uk Anyway, let's move on to the actual yoga section of Not Just Yoga. I mean, if I didn't have this section, I'd have to rename the podcast No Yoga at All or something like that. My second session on Thursday evenings has been really quite popular. I've even had to say no to a couple of people uh, about the class being full. I mean, it's not full every week, but it has been on occasion, which I'm really pleased with. I do have a capacity limit in my classes as I don't want people to feel squashed up and uncomfortable. That's not what my classes are about. And as for being full at times, it's taken four and a half years to be able to say that. My Friday morning classes are a lot quieter, but they're still going ahead. So anyone that's interested in learning a little bit about mindfulness, relaxation, meditation and a bit of yoga as well, feel free to come along. Another new venture is holding children's classes and this is in collaboration with another yoga teacher, Kai, who I mentioned in the previous episode. And with these children's lessons, I love them. We get to play games, have fun. Honestly, I think I enjoy it just as much as the kids. But what I found rather surprising was the fact that their favourite part is relaxation. Now these children are aged anywhere between 6 and 11. And thinking about it, really, children seem to do a lot nowadays. When I was younger, I was never part of any after-school clubs or sports teams. Not because I was antisocial and anti-athletic, which I suppose I was. And not because there was a limited choice. But I suppose mainly because I spent most of my childhood reading. Or at least that's what I remember doing. I used to stay with my grandparents at the weekends and during school holidays and when I wasn't trying to make things out of cardboard I'd read and not just children's books but anything I could get my hands on. My mum was a massive reader and so was my granddad and I used to love going to the library and that was where I actually first started reading the little vampire books. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them, I don't think they were that well known over here really but they were translated from the German um, the books were by Angela Summer Bodenberg and I used to love them I mean of course trying to complete the collection now now I'm old enough to collect books you know buy books is nigh on impossible if I thought that Puddle Lane Ladybird books were overpriced nothing could have prepared me for a hundred odd page paperback about a vampire named Rudolph 
and his human best friend Tony. I've got two left to collect. One of them is currently £83 and two pence. The other one, well, it's in triple figures. And after writing these notes, I've since found out that yes, there are 16 UK editions, but there are also four more books in German that haven't been translated yet. What do I do? Do I buy the German edition and hope that I'll carry on learning German and be able to read them someday? Do I try and forget about them? No, definitely can't do that. How can I have a complete collection if some of them are in English and some are in German? And then I was talking to Mark and he said, well, why don't you just get them all in German? And I could, but again, I'd need that the whole collection. And for some reason, I think it's number two you have to get in a different format so out of 20 paperbacks one would be different i should just give up collecting books or at least collecting these children's books that i'm far too old to be reading now and really these books are nothing special but i've read most of them several times and now and again i do like to read children's books as they are what helped me fall in love with reading in the first place i don't think i've mentioned this before apologies if I have but it still irks me 30 years later I remember being in year four at primary school and as with all classrooms in the school there was a bookshelf filled with colour-coded books so depending on what reading level you were on you would be given a certain colour code I was on the blue gold level nothing fancy it just meant it was a blue sticker with a wonky rectangle of gold sellotaped onto it being the avid reader I was I'd read all the blue gold books and really wanted to read a book that was on the bookshelf called The Last Battle. I'd already read The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe at home and knew this was in the same series. For those of you that don't know, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe is the second book in the Chronicles of Narnia and The Last Battle is the seventh and final one. But this Last Battle book had a white label on it. Of course, I can't remember every exchange word for word but it was something along the lines of me asking the teacher if I could read it. No, I couldn't because it was a different band and meant for older children, i.e. in year six. Now, I was a shy, quiet child. You know, I I tended to blend into the background, a bit podgy, had a stack of massive frizzy hair, and I didn't cause a fuss, ever. But I did ask my mum to ask the teacher for me, adult to adult, I probably thought in my childlike mind may have had a better chance of me reading what I wanted to read. But no, apparently not all the books on the bookshelf were for the children in that class. Let me just remind you, I'd read all of the ones I was supposed to. I'd even been to the class next door to see if they had different ones because we were two form entry school. So the class next door, another year four class. But no, being told I couldn't read this book when I'd already read others at the same level, just didn't feel right. And of course, it wasn't. Just like it is today, children were expected to take their colour-coded books home to read, and then we had to write a little report on them. And I've still got these written down in a little half-size book. Many of them say that I found the book exciting or interesting. No wonder my vocabulary was limited if I wasn't allowed to read at a higher level. So even though I felt really guilty about it, I read it anyway even though I knew I wasn't supposed to. 
Whether the teacher found out or not, I don't know. I didn't exactly make a secret of it. Surely, as long as I was reading, did it matter that it wasn't blue gold? Wow, what a rebel, reading the wrong book. I'm sure that wouldn't happen nowadays, and as you can probably tell, it's left a lasting impression on me. When we did eventually get to year six, we were taken to the library down the road, and I got a children's version of Romeo and Juliet. I wish they hadn't let me have that. It was nowhere near as exciting as the last battle. Just a quick note about learning German. I've more or less forgotten everything I learned at school, although I did have a few lessons from an Austrian lady over Zoom or Skype, one or the other, uh, a couple of years ago, and they were really helpful. And learning Latin, or beginning to learn Latin, has made understanding other languages a bit easier. And I just really like the, the German language, the culture, everything really. Germany is probably my favourite place in the world to visit. Well, I seem to have gone off on a tangent there. Started talking about yoga and kids yoga classes, then went into quite some detail about some old books and possibly a grudge that I need to let go of. So, back to yoga. As well as doing double the amount of lessons that I was doing before lockdown, I'm also trying to build up my video library. And by video library, I don't mean old VHS videos. I mean my YouTube channel. Again, I'm using my way of thinking that I'd rather watch something for a few minutes that holds my attention than an hour at a time. And over time, those few minutes do all add up. Sequences, explanations and relaxations are being added regularly, which does take up a lot of time to create these resources. Which is also, again, why the podcast went onto the back burner. And which is why there may only be some very limited future episodes. Plus, reenactment season will soon be back in full swing. It'll probably come as no surprise that with regards to home yoga practice, Wiggy still enjoys a good old interruption. And that's okay when you're lying down on the mat, but trying to balance does become a bit tricky. I've nearly finished the anatomy modules I signed up for last year. And I'm always trying to share what I've learned in class and on social media. Once a teacher, always a teacher, I suppose. In preparation for this podcast, I've been looking at what the latest yoga trends are. Because, of course, it's all about being fashionable and doing what seems the thing to do. And I'm sure if you've listened to me before or have looked at my page, you'll know that I definitely don't agree with that. I hate hybrid words to do with yoga. So reading about broga and roga probably wasn't quite the calming read that the author intended it to be. Broga apparently is yoga for men, roga, yoga for runners. Why do we need these words? Right, moving on. Stand-up paddleboard yoga seems quite popular nowadays. I don't think that's for me, as my balance isn't great to begin with, but never say never. Aerial yoga is something I'd like to try, but just haven't gotten around to yet. I also came across something I'd never heard of before, slackline yoga. It's more for advanced practitioners, where you practice yoga on a one inch wide piece of fabric or webbing. I saw photos and all I could think of was, what if they slipped? (laughs) Apparently it's to help regulate stress responses and connect with a calm inner self. I think it's safe to say you won't find me balancing on a tightrope anytime soon. One term that I did come across that I can relate to is 
yoga capsules and they are basically small chunks of yoga practice between 5 and 15 minutes each. While I don't necessarily agree with it needing a special name, because if you're doing yoga, you're doing yoga, whether it's for 10 minutes or an hour, it is something I already do and it means that it's much easier to fit into daily life And again, this is what I try and get across to people. You don't need to be doing yoga three hours a day in order to get any benefit from it. To finish this part of the podcast, I'm just going to suggest that you Google slackline yoga, look at the photos, and then you'll see exactly what I mean. Now we get to move on to the eyes, ears, seen and bean part, beginning with the eyes. For 2020 and 2021... I set myself a monthly reading challenge and I read some excellent books and some not so excellent books. But this year I decided not to go down that route. I'm slowly making my way through the sharp books still and then I've got the hornblower books to read. But it's all currently being put on hold while I read Game of Thrones. And now I'm years behind but I tried watching the telly programme. I tried it twice and I eventually gave up after the second episode of season two. And not because Sean Bean's head was chopped off. Don't complain about spoilers, everybody knew this. But there was just too much going on. Too many people, too many characters. And I just could not get into it. One of my friends who lives in London said I should try reading them. So when she was last up, she brought them up with her when we met up over Christmas. And I kept looking at them thinking, wow, there's just so much reading there. And I knew that if I started reading it and I didn't like it, I could easily stop. Because those days are gone when I'd make myself carry on reading a book if I didn't like it. You know, if if I don't enjoy reading a book in the first few chapters, yeah, no one's got time for that, have they? I'd finished reading Pillars of the Earth in January. Highly recommended, by the way. And then I started Game of Thrones in March or technically i suppose it should be a game of thrones well no because that's just the first book isn't it a song of ice and fire game of thrones without the a is the tv series anyway i've finished the second book and yes there's still a lot of people and i have to keep reminding myself who's who but i'm finding the printed version much more enjoyable than the screen version and i know that there are still two more books to be written which i'm trying not to think about as I don't like leaving things unfinished. Let's just refer back to my desperation to finish my little vampire collection. However, as much as I like these books, the grammar sometimes gets to me. Oh, the phrase, would that I knew, is used quite a lot. But the one that sticks in my mind is this. So Ned must need sit the Iron Throne in his, ha- in his absence. Yes, I know it makes sense. I checked but it just sounds a bit clumsy. And I know it's more of an archaic use, but still. Overall, they should see me through the next few months. For the ears part, I've actually started listening to something a bit different. It's called From Couch to Opera House in Seven Weeks, and it's an hour-long programme on Classic FM by Jennifer Saunders. We have Classic FM on for the dog, and I heard an advert for it. It's Well, it was on, on a Sunday night at nine o'clock and I watched it on uh, catch-up. No, I didn't watch it. I listened to it on catch-up. I know mainly nothing about opera apart from Ness and Dorma, so I thought I'd give it a try. The most surprising thing I've learned so far is that the bridal chorus, you know, Here Comes the Bride, was by Wagner, 
the same Wagner who composed Ride of the Valkyries, or that one from Apocalypse Now, although according to Wikipedia everyone already knew this. Since I wrote some of these notes, the series has finished, and I missed listening to the last episode. It was on on the Sunday, so I usually listen to it on the Monday afterwards. I wasn't really well, I think, for quite a few days. So it all went out of my head, too busy feeling sorry for myself. And I went to listen to it the following Monday and it wasn't available. Even though some of the earlier episodes were. So I've missed the last one. I emailed the global player company to say, are there any plans to release it again? And they got back to me within a few days. And they said, we're really sorry, but no. And it's, again, it's another unfinished thing. I know I've really got to sort myself out with that, but the last episode and hopefully it would have just brought everything together i'm just hoping i can listen to it somehow quite soon but well i'm not holding out much hope of course there are also the regular podcasts that i listen to including archery geek outdoors otherwise known as richard from archery and i don't always understand everything as he uses a compound bow with pulleys and all these clever things whereas mine is just a stick of wood but I do love listening to it during my walks, especially taking the dog out. And some voices are just easy to listen to. And re- there's also a couple of historical podcasts I've been listening to. Not just the Tudors, which is one I've mentioned before. And in fact, there was a really interesting episode about Elizabeth I's favourite miniaturist painter, Nicholas Hilliard. Even if you don't recognise the name, which I didn't, then you'll definitely recognise some of his work. So, yeah, take a look at some of his pictures and you'll think, oh yeah, recognise that. A new one that I found is called Betwixt the Sheets and it's by History Hit and I think there's five episodes at the moment. It's marketed as the history of sex, scandal and society. It's definitely not for children, uh, but well worth listening to. Gary from the Silver Hedgehog has also been busy and as well as listening to his podcast, I was also invited back as a guest. He does green screen episodes with the idea of a film being recommended to one of the group or others in the group who have never seen it. And I did speak about this in a previous episode as Rambo was the film I'd never seen, have now. It was then my turn to choose the film and I chose Secondhand Lions as it stars Michael Caine, Robert Duvall and Hayley Joel Osment. Yet hardly anyone seems to have heard of it in the UK. The other guest on this podcast was an American director called David Skato who had seen it and it was interesting to discuss things from a director's point of view. So the film was one that Gary hadn't seen and he was I think he was quite pleased with it. I won't go into it in detail here. But if you want to listen, then take a look at the Silver Hedgehog Hog. Oh dear, the Silver Hedgehog Hog. Start again. The Silver Hedgehog Hogcast episode titled "Green Screen Secondhand Lions." That's the second lion reference so far. And I always actually wanted to dress up as a lion when I was younger, but not just any lion. It had to be the one out of the Wizard of Oz with his curly mane and red bow. Anyway, back to the podcast. It seems like I've already jumped onto what I've seen. But this is the scene part, and as I've already said, I won't talk about secondhand lions. Way back in January, we spent a week watching Guy Ritchie films, starting with The Gentleman. No spoilers, but there was a great twist. Mark had never seen Snatch, the one with Brad Pitt, 
so that was next. I think we watched five altogether and then decided to make a start on The X-Files. Forget Poirot, forget Murder, She Wrote and anything else. Once we started, I was, and still am, determined to finish the whole series, as in from one right up until 11. Fast forward four months and we're on season seven. So we are over halfway through, although we did decide to include both films and the Lone Gunmen series as well. For the Easter bank holiday, we decided to go down the Alan Partridge route and start watching James Bond. We've watched nearly all of them before, apart from Spectre and Skyfall. Mark wanted to do Alan's schedule, starting with Doctor No at 9am, but there are about six films with two hours each, and we definitely couldn't sit for that long. So we've just been watching them as and when. I mentioned Gary from the Silver Hedgehog podcast before. Got it right this time. He's a huge James Bond fan. So I sent him a fairly obscure screenshot from the first film that we watched, which was Live and Let Die, the Roger Moore one. And I'd taken a photo of an aeroplane while the film's on. He chose two answers, and one of them was correct. So I started doing it for the next few films, and he never got the right answer. And I began to question his level of Bond fanaticism. And this went on for over a week. Yeah, probably about 10 days it lasted for. We'd watched about five films, and with him not getting the answer right, ever, I mentioned it to Mark, who, of course, began laughing hysterically, to the point where I thought he wouldn't be able to breathe. And it turns out he'd been messaging Gary at the same time that we'd been watching them, telling him the correct film, and Gary had not only been deliberately getting them wrong, but also coming up with quite detailed answers, explaining how he'd finally deduce the right answer. So, here's an example. There looks to be a white 1978 Lincoln Continental, doors open, in front of a Bell helicopter, probably a Bell 206. The helicopter pad is in front of a runway, a massive runway. So this isn't a normal airport. The car, the helicopter, give it a date of the late 70s. So that narrows the films down. What needs a long runway? A shuttle when it lands. So that leads to only one conclusion, Moonraker. Now, I thought this was just an amazing level of deduction. But of course, he and Mark were in on it together. Even though we didn't quite follow Alan's level of dedication, there's rarely a day that goes by when we don't reference him. We only know two other people who are massive fans. Although I know he has been described as a bit of a Marmite character in the fact that you either love him or hate him. I did a bit of background reading and the character was first introduced in 1991. I can't believe it's that old. And apparently has been credited with influencing cringe comedies. I didn't even know that was a term. Such as The Inbetweeners, Nighty Night and Peep Show. And we've watched all of those. Nighty Night is quite dark and sinister but we love it. I mean when we're talking out in public people probably overhear us and think what are they on about? But Alan Partridge is just infinitely quotable. I'm sure there's a quote for every occasion. But this is not a podcast about Alan Partridge, or not quite anyway. As it's been a few months since the last episode, we've actually been to quite a few places. We took Wiggy to Wales for the weekend. We spent a morning out in Beaudley with our archery friends. The man who owned the land took us around the course, and even though the rain was heavy, 
We had a thoroughly enjoyable time. We've spent a few afternoons at Asgard, the game shop that I've mentioned before. Hiring a board game for a pound is great for us, especially as they've got a bar and make terrific donuts too. A walk to Thor's Cave in Derbyshire has also been ticked off the list. It's a good job we didn't take Wiggy though. He's not a fan of getting muddy paws and the mud was quite bad. The walk that really sticks in my mind is Lanticilio Mountain, although Mark reckons it falls just short of being an actual mountain. It was the most gruelling walk I've ever done, even more so than the 20-mile walk I did at school when I was about 12. Mark and Helen, one of our other friends, agree it was... Well, it wasn't awful. It was tough. There were about four really difficult bits. The angle of the ascent in some places meant that I couldn't stop because if my momentum slowed, I would have fallen over. I'd probably do it again because the views were fantastic. Really, I should use the word magnificent, but I have to psych myself up to say that word because it never sounds like it looks on paper. It never sounds like it should to me. A less strenuous walk was the Stoiper Stones with Mark and our friend John. That was a great walk. You knew that you'd done some exercise but you didn't wake up feeling half dead the day after. We also managed to finally go back to the archery range to use the archery simulator. I love going there. Look at us getting out and about. But after all that, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So thank you for listening. All the contact details are at the start of the podcast. And remember, if you want to find out more, get in touch. Bye.